This retreat with Father Justin Wiley and the St. Vincent de Paul Society, July 27th and 28th, 2018, on Growing in the Spirituality of Service, was given at Our Lady of Good Counsel Retreat House. These and other recordings are available at our website, goodcounselretreat.com. Beloved Vincentians, I am really humbled to be in your presence and so honored uh, to be among you this weekend much less uh, to have the temerity to lead you. Uh, we've come here to be on retreat, which is to retreat from the hurly-burly of our daily lives in the world, to come to a place apart, into a time set apart for the Lord. It's a great luxury. It's a great privilege. This is the time, right now, right here, the time, the propitious time for conversion, which means for turning our minds, our faces, and our hearts, and our lives evermore towards the Lord. It's also a time for turning off our telephones and our uh, emails and our social media, just for a few hours between today and tomorrow, so that we don't distract ourselves and we don't distract each other. St. Peter said when he was taken up the mountain of the transfiguration with Jesus, James and John, he said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Yes, Lord, it is good for us to be here, together with you, this weekend. And so let it also be a time of transfiguration for us, a time for us to be transformed in the light of God's glory. Last Sunday's Gospel, if you remember, described how Jesus took his apostles apart to be alone with them because they had so much to take stock of. After he had sent them out into the world, two by two, and the needs of the people were such, were so pressing, pressed upon them so much that they scarcely found even the time to eat. Sound familiar? As much as we love the people we serve, let's leave them on the other shore, just for a few hours of this precious alone time with the Lord. Let us seek to guard jealously our interaction with him. And for heaven's sakes, find time to eat and eat well and also to sleep and to sleep well. Your whole being is on retreat, not just your soul, your body as well. Now, by happy coincidence, we, um, we have our retreat, or we conclude our retreat rather, on no other than the eve of the Feast of St. Martha. And... The first I thought of giving a retreat to St. Vincent de Paul, long before I was actually asked to do so, was on March 8th of this year, when in our cathedral uh, conference of St. Vincent de Paul, in our Thursday evening meeting, we considered a gospel and a Vincentian reflection, which seemed to me, at least for me anyway, for the first time, to begin to bring together 
the different ingredients one should look for in a healthy and successful St. Vincent de Paul conference. And the biblical scene which immediately sprung to mind for me was the scene at Bethany, where Martha lived, and her sister Mary, and their brother Lazarus, the dear, dear friend of our Lord Jesus, who elicited from our Lord the greatest of his miracles, his raising from the dead. And it was to this special community called Bethany that Jesus, par excellence, retreated, and where he found solace and where he found restoration during those troubled times of his public ministry. And it was from Bethany that he launched some of the most significant incidents in in the life of our Lord. So um, you may have noticed I sat on the chapel doors that to set the scene for the weekend, we go to Bethany. It's a vehicle for our thinking about our ministry in in St. Vincent de Paul. It's a a metaphor or a figure of speech for what I'd like to accomplish. Because Bethany is, among many other things, four things. Bethany is a place of retreat for our Lord himself. And if so for him, how much more for us? It's a place where he could delve deeply interiorly, before acting exteriorly. In the second place, Bethany was a place of friendship, which is so important in the spiritual life. This was the town where he could take refuge from the crowds, to be built up, to be edified by those special friendships with Lazarus and with his sisters, Martha and Mary. And I hope to find the time to look at each of these characters in depth, in turn. In the third place, uh, Bethany seems to me to be the springboard for his sacrificial action. It's very near Jerusalem, but it's not quite in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem represented the center of the world, certainly the center of Christ's ministry. But it was from Bethany that he began some of the greatest actions of his life. Certainly he began his passion. The, uh, the procession of Palm Sunday begins from Bethany. And fourthly, Bethany is a place of mercy. The very name Bethany means place of mercy. We'll come to discuss that a little bit more maybe tomorrow morning. Now during this retreat, it's my hope that we can unpack these four aspects and their significance for our vocation as Vincentians. I propose beginning this evening uh, very simply with a Lectio Divina, or a prayerful meditation on those Bethany moments which are selected from sacred scripture. And then in our subsequent uh, conferences tomorrow, we will unpack the different aspects of this meditation we begin tonight, as far as it applies to our ministry in the society. But first, although uh, we did already begin with the icebreaker, I plan to uh, get out of the way any curiosities you might have uh, about myself by introducing myself briefly. As you know, my name is Justin Wiley. I'm a 45-year-old priest of the Archdiocese of Johannesburg in South Africa, and I've been serving in the Diocese of Lincoln for the past year, 
as assistant at the cathedral, as a sophomore teacher of church history and sacramental theology at St. Pius X High School, and also as assistant diocesan master of ceremonies, which means I get to visit lots of towns uh, around the diocese for confirmations. Uh, I came to Lincoln, as I explained before, through uh, a friendship with Bishop Conley, um, which began when we were stationed together in Rome. He as uh, an official for the Congregation of Bishops, and I uh, as a seminarian undergoing my formation for the priesthood. I was, uh, you heard my earlier vocation story, but I was, uh, in a sense, a later vocation in coming to the seminary. Uh, I first became a barrister, which is what we call a trial attorney in South Africa, and I served at the, the Supreme Court uh, in South Africa, and I did graduate studies at uh, the University of Notre Dame in Indiana, and then um, I went on to serve in the office of the prosecutor of the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia, which is in The Hague in the Netherlands. And afterwards, I served uh, in the office of the Attorney General as an assistant DA in, um, in, in South Africa. So I used to put people in prison, and then I was ordained to set prisoners free. So it's quite a turnaround. Um, after become a, becoming a priest, I first served in the diplomatic corps of the church. Um, I was the chief negotiator in the General Assembly of the United Nations in New York City. And then afterwards, I was appointed um, a pastor in, in two different uh, parishes in South Africa. And in both of these parishes, I, uh, as well as some of the other parishes that I served um, as assistant or as visiting priest, um, there have been conferences of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. And um, I've sought to follow their meetings uh, as closely as I was able. And now also in the Cathedral Parish here in Lincoln, where I'm stationed, there is uh, a conference of uh, St. Vincent de Paul. Um, in the past year of following these meetings on Thursday evenings, uh, I've, I've become encouraged uh, in, in leading this retreat for a very simple reason, that I've seen present in this community at the cathedral, in these men and women, of something that perhaps was a little lacking in the other conferences of, of the society that I knew before and in South Africa. Most of these conferences have done very good work, exemplary work, among the poor and the needy. And many of them have been selfless servants of Christ's poor. But mostly their meetings tended to be very pragmatic affairs, in the sense that they tended, attended to the business of St. Vincent de Paul, or that rather they attended to the business of St. Vincent de Paul in a business-like fashion. Clients, cases, disbursements, visits, dollars, cents. And certainly this cannot fail to be part, a staple part of our meetings because it speaks to our vocation of service. But what has made my experience of the Cathedral Conference in Lincoln different from my prior experiences for me anyway, is the very prominent addition of two uh, other elements. The elements of friendship and of service. I mean, of spirituality. I mentioned service in the beginning. 
friendship and spirituality. It seems a pretty trite thing to restate the common position that since Vincent de Paul meetings ought to be comprised, as the rule states, of service and friendship and spirituality. Um, but in practice, it's very difficult to achieve the proper balance. And when you allow one of them to become obscured, you also work to um, undermine the others. And so I fixed upon the idea of Bethany as a vehicle or a metaphor for us to apply the proper balance of these three in our ministry uh, as Vincentians. And I think you'll begin readily to appreciate what a fitting model it is for us um, to keep the emphasis on all three, service, spirituality, and friendship, so that the great works of God can be manifested in us, like the raising of Lazarus, and that ours can truly become known as a ministry of mercy, of God's mercy. Before we undertake the uh, brief Lectio Divina, which I'm proposing for this evening, I'd like to take uh, a moment to explain what Lectio Divina is and where it comes from. The literal meaning of the words Lectio Divina, Latin words in English, means divine reading. Or, in other words, reading a sacred text to bring out the divinely inspired meaning behind it. If we simply take up the Bible and read it like any other text, like a novel or a profane piece of work, you're not going to get that meaning at all, and you won't get the nourishment of that meaning. Lectio Divina is a technique which was developed very early in the history of the church, uh, specifically among the monks in, in the monasteries of early Christendom. And they used this technique to get at the rich fruits that are present in every sacred text for our nourishment and for our delight. As St. Paul writes to Timothy, all of Scripture has been divinely inspired and is useful to instruct us, to expose our errors, to correct our faults, and to educate us in holy living. And so the monks developed this technique for harvesting the fruits of the Bible from the same manner in which they harvested the grapes from their vineyards. And not for nothing do we call a basic segment of a book a page. Pagina in Latin. Because pagina is the technical term for a segment of a grapevine. So a segment of scripture is known as the sacra pagina, or the holy vine. And that's the same approach that the monks brought to the pagina of sacred scripture, that they brought to the pagina of the vine. And that's why you so often see in medieval manuscripts of sacred scripture all the tendrils surrounding the words, because they were harvesting the vine when they approached sacred scripture. And the approach they take to the sacred page is the same approach that they take to the pagina of the vine. First, they walk through the segment of the vine they intend harvesting tomorrow to get an idea of the lay of the land. Can we reach? Do we need to bring something? The structure of the vine, where the best fruits are likely to lie, and they familiarize themselves with what will be the work of the following day. They call this the remote preparation. And the following morning early, 
They take another brief walk through the vine, again, this time looking with a little bit more precision at what's already become familiar to them. Now you're looking for which bunches are better, which are hidden behind the stem or behind some leaves, which are still green and you might leave them. This is the proximate preparation. And then they roll up their sleeves and they take out their baskets and their secateurs and they start moving slowly, deliberately through the work of harvesting that section of the vine. This is the work of harvesting, gathering the fruits into baskets. But the making of wine requires a lot more than just harvesting the fruit. Next, the grapes have to be put into the press. They have to be pressed so that the goodness of the juices can be thoroughly extracted and the skins and the stems can be set aside. And next, for the most important phase of all, because until now, all you have is grape juice. Now you have to set the extract in a cool, dark place and wait patiently for the natural process of fermentation to take place. And this really is the most important phase at all if you are to end up with wine. And then the last phase is you have to drink the wine because wine is not just for looking at. And this is when all the joy of the labor becomes truly worth it. So the monks took this approach to the sacred page, and so will we. This evening, we will do the remote preparation. We will scan the texts for tomorrow morning's meditation, familiarizing ourselves with the content and with the structure, broadly speaking, the lay of the land. Then tomorrow morning, walk again through the texts on your own, considering where the best fruits are likely to lie for you, which you might find harder to reach, and which maybe you will leave to ripen at another time. But so far, we are still in the preparatory phase. That's the proximate preparation. And then tomorrow morning, after our first conference, we are going to roll up our sleeves and get into the work of meditation itself, which is applying the secateurs of our intellect to the text to harvest the bunches of grapes, and to put them into the baskets of our memory. This is intellectual work, mind work, but it is still work. And then after that, in the next phase, we are going to subject the fruits of our intellectual work to the press of our imaginations. We're going to increase the pressure of our imagination, extracting everything that is good from what we have gathered, and leaving aside the husks, the stems and the skins. And then around lunchtime, we are going to do the most important phase at all, of all. We're going to let these juices ferment in the cool, dark stillness of contemplative prayer, which is a resting or a waiting for that process of fermentation. In this case, a supernatural process to take place, because this is the imperceptible work of the Holy Spirit in us, working with us. All the Lord needs is a little bit of your goodwill, and he will introduce the yeast of that fermentation. And then lastly, tomorrow afternoon, I propose that we drink the fine wine of our labor of love with the Lord, giving thanks.
So if you look on the, on the church doors, you'll see that uh, 10 are the texts from sacred scripture, which I've selected for our labors this, during this retreat. And I hope that we can take an amble through the vineyard of these 10 vines here before the Lord so that we become broadly familiar with the lay of the land and that you can make a kind of a remote preparation this evening for your more personal meditation on them tomorrow morning, which you can make during your morning prayer. And then in tomorrow morning's conferences, we will separate the various fruits and hopefully extract their good juices under the use of your meditary meditatory or your imaginative prayer. And then lastly, by late morning, I will leave you in the stillness of quiet contemplation. And then for drinking the wine in the afternoon, I have proposed after lunch that we have something more of an interactive, maybe a panel discussion, if we have lay spiritual advisors to ask their input, um, where we get to taste the fruits of our labor from this weekend. And so without further ado, here are the 10 Bethany texts for this weekend. You may take down the citations or take a photograph of what I've put on the, on the doors of the church. And please use uh, your Bibles, or if you don't have Bibles, you can use your smartphones uh, to find the biblical texts. And um, now in the conferences, I will be using... A translation, I'm deliberately using a translation I think you will be unfamiliar with. It's the translation of Monsignor Ronald Knox. Because it is so different from the translations that Americans are used to, I'm hoping that you'll find the language provocatory, uh, an opportunity to go behind the familiarity of uh, phraseology and expressions that you are used to, so that we can maybe extract something different, a hidden meaning. So the first text is John chapter 11, verses 1 to 46, the longest text. John 11, 1 to 46. And this is the apex miracle in the life of Christ, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. The second text is Mark chapter 11, verse 1, a very short text. 11, 1, Mark 11, 1. And the third text is Luke 19.29. Luke chapter 19, verse 29. And these two verses present the Palm Sunday procession beginning Christ's passion from Bethany. The fourth text is Matthew chapter 21, verse 17. Matthew 21.17. The fifth text is Mark 11, 11 to 12. So Mark chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. And these two verses describe how Christ had recourse to Bethany uh, during Holy Week. The next text is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Luke 10, 38 to 42, which describes another visit of our Lord to the home of Mary and Martha. And then the following three texts, which describe Christ's dinner uh, in the house when Mary anoints Jesus. The first is Matthew 26, 6 to 13. Matthew chapter 26, 
verses 6 to 13. The second is Mark, chapter 14, verses 3 to 9. Mark 14, 3 to 9. And the third is from John's Gospel, John 12, 1 to 8. John chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. And then the last verse, is a, the last um, uh, quotation is a single verse from Luke's Gospel, the 24th chapter, the 50th verse, Luke 24, 50. And that uh, has the risen Christ begin his ascension process from the community at Bethany. So these are the ten texts which I'll ask you to prayerfully consider during this retreat, uh, beginning with this evening's conference as a, a remote preparation, familiarizing ourselves with the text. Um, then tomorrow morning, uh, before our first conference, during your morning prayer and while you're at breakfast, uh, reconsider a little more prayerfully and a little more carefully the same ten texts, uh, trying to gather them into the basket of your memory. And then after our morning conferences, uh, we will subject what you have in your baskets, the fruit, to your imagination, to imaginatory, imaginative prayer, which really means putting yourself in each scene, picturing yourself first as this and then as that character. And the press of your imagination steadily tightens its grip, its concentration on each aspect so that you can be sure to extract every last drop. Uh, and then uh, I'll leave you after the second conference because I have responsibilities in the parish. So before and during and after lunch, I'd ask that you use this time to remain really still, really quiet, and even dark in the sense of not too much sensory uh, distraction because this is your time for contemplative prayer uh, when, when the fermentation takes place. So let us, beginning now, grow incrementally and steadily more still and more quiet as our retreat progresses. So I propose in a few moments exposing the most blessed sacrament of our Lord's body and soul and his blood and divinity so that we can... I will prayerfully read these verses out loud. I'll, I'll proclaim them. I'll break them open in the sacred space because... All prayer is more efficient in the presence of the most blessed sacrament, especially scriptural prayer, because we encounter the word of God in the light of his word made flesh. The whole of sacred scripture makes sense uh, in relation to the incarnation when the word was made flesh. So these two uh, resonate with one another like the, like the psalmist says, like deep calling on deep across the roar of waters in our lives. So um, if you don't have your scriptural texts at hand, uh, when I go back to the sacristy to prepare, you can, you can get a Bible or get your smartphones. Also, this is not a compulsory activity. Some of you might find it very distracting that I'm reading scripture when you could be reading it yourself. But if you like, that's what I'll do. Uh, the Most Blessed Sacrament will be exposed then uh, for the next hour until 9.45, um, when I will uh, give you benediction of the Blessed Sacrament. And then we'll reconvene here uh, after breakfast at 8.45 tomorrow morning. 
If, if you get confused, just check the, the chapel doors. And then we'll have the first of our discursive conferences. Um, so please do use, uh, this is the last time I'll address you this evening, so please do use these intervening hours before now and 8.45 tomorrow morning um, for your uh, remote and your proximate review of the texts. May joy and peace, amendment of life, room for true penitence, the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit and steadfastness in good works be granted us by the almighty and merciful Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.